Hello, welcome to Local Anesthetic Podcast, the most trusted name in local news. My name is Alex, this is Rob. Hello. How are you doing, Rob? I'm very well, and yourself? I'm good. This is episode 100, don't say anymore, it's episode 100. <laughs> That's enough. it for the pleasantries. This is episode 175, you just informed me before we started. That's Rob. right, yeah. And uh, there is a, we've had a slight hiatus, haven't you? Because I've been away for a few days on holiday. I think this is the longest we've had, because it's, it's been over two weeks. No, it's not the longest, we've had longer. Have we? Okay. Yeah, we have. Has it been over two weeks? Yeah, because I think we because we didn't record last week, we called the week before. Yeah, this is getting te- this is getting tedious. But um, this is might be. Interesting. I do feel rather out of the swing. Yeah, and maybe you're relaxed. You've been on holiday. Maybe that could, that could be what it is. Yeah, yeah, it could be that I'm relaxed because I went on holiday. It was a nice holiday. Thank you for asking. Now, Rob, do you have any news? Because I I feel like we've got a bumper packed episode this week. Because I've got I've got some stories. You've got some stories. Yeah, I mean, I have to say. Uh, but let's start off just saying there's a massive thank you to Steve. He's he's actually contributed a lot for this episode. So, but we'll, we'll Steve from Derby. That's right. Yeah. Are you going to yeah. tell me what he's contributed, or am I? Uh, we'll get onto that for the list. We have to wait for the listener story, do we? Well, not just the listener. Uh, oh no, who's listening still? Yeah, yeah. Because when I slotted in myself, what? <laughs> Don't worry. Well, well it will come. Sorry, I'll just, you slotted something in yourself. I know I'm being cryptic, yes. Don't you worry. slotted something in yourself and you're going to come later. Right, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. Fine. For the benefit of the listeners. Right, Rob, I'm going to... Let, let's just crack on because people... When we've had a hiatus, people just are itching for their local news fix. This is a podcast all about... It's called Local Anesthetic. It's all about local news. We find funny, amusing, banal, bizarre stories from local newspapers and we report on them. We've been doing this, as I said earlier, for 174 episodes prior to this. We've been going a long time... And I'm sure, I mean, Rob, I've just got some brilliant stories this week. But of course, we're going to have our general anaesthetic feature later, which is where we cover a more national news story. And it's pretty obvious. Bloody probably. hell, that's a, there's gonna, a lot's happened in two weeks, I must admit. <laughs> yes, it has. Well, there's one main story of I think course, we, need, course, we, yeah. we probably need to talk about. But before that, Rob, let's start us off with, um, with a rather sombre update. Oh, if I could God, say to you, dead now. Now, if I could say to you, Rob, that, sit, that over the last few weeks and everything, we've been having regular updates on a particular story, and would you like such an update again? What, 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 what would that be? Well, it can only be the Croydon cat killer. The, there is an update. When I got back from holiday, I could not believe, Rob, that there is another story here. Um, for people who don't know, the Croydon cat killer, who was originally known as the Croydon cat ripper, but that got changed quite got quickly. Dropped quite swiftly. Yeah. Got yeah. dropped quite swiftly. Um, is because there's been a spate of what appears to be cat beheadings. Yeah. Around the kind of borough of Croydon area, and it's starting to make national news as it's well. Starting to make national news, and uh, to the extent that even Martin Clunes, the actor, wrote a letter to was it the Prime Minister or somebody? Uh, who was it? Was it the Prime Minister? I can't remember. The Queen. Yeah. Uh, why he, not? he wrote to somebody just saying, you know, sort it out. Um, well, here you go. It's from the new shopper, Rob, by Jess Bell. This was today. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and we are recording on the 7th of April. We, I remember, was it last year we did actually record on April Fool's, I believe it was? Do you remember when we had that great thing where you read a story that I was convinced was an oh, April Fool's? yes, the I chocolate cumberbatch. The chocolate Benedict cumberbatch. I, yeah, it sounds revolting. Sorry, like, the, the chocolate cumberbatch does sound like it's some sort of weird sexual... Yeah, proclivity. I don't know. I I, humi- I humiliated you. I belittled you. I laughed at you, and then it turned out after the episode that the story was in fact true. And I, I actually saw it in in uh, the Westfields and Stratford. Took a picture. Yeah, of it. I, I apologise for that. Yeah, once again. Here's a story: fears of fears of Croydon cat killer in Bromley as pet beheaded in Crestview Drive, Pets Wood. 
Oh, bloody hell. So, I mean, the radius is getting wider. Yeah. The so-called Croydon Catcular appears to have struck again in the Bromley Borough after a cat was mutilated in Pets Wood. Georgie Grange's beloved pet Merlin. Can I just say, Georgie Grange's beloved pet Merlin is a good children's book title. (laughs) It's also a good episode title. Georgie Granger sounds like it should have been a character for a 1970s children's TV show. Yeah, Georgie Granger's <laughs> beloved pet Merlin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should that be our episode title? In brackets, beheaded. <laughs> well, it should now, yeah. <laughs> Was found beheaded in Crestview Drive before 8am yesterday morning. Can you imagine discovering your cat so you just find the, the head be a few sort of centimetres or inches away? You don't want that when you're leaving the house. You find, oh, there's my cat. Oh, no. There's my cat. Uh, no, hang on. Its head is over there and its <laughs> neck is over there. The killer had chopped off a limb and removed the cat's internal organs. Oh, Jesus. Miss Grange told New Shopper today. That's a bit horrific. Yes. Miss Grange's mum was warned not to look at the gruesome sight of Merlin's decapitated body, initially found by a bin man. Can I just ask, the, the paper hasn't then picture, uh, posted pictures of it? No, unlike last time, they haven't featured a picture of the decapitated animal. Oh, it's a wise choice. The 24-year-old was already at work at a veterinary practice when she got the call from her mum. That's unfortunate. Mm. She works at a vet. Yeah, convenient. Hmm. Alex, you it's not her. How do you no, know? No, 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 I'm not. <laughs> you said it's convenient. Yeah, Well, because... she would know how to do it, wouldn't she? Yeah, she would know how to remove a cat's internal organs. One of the first things they teach you when you train to become a vet is how to decapitate an animal. I don't think that's true. Your girlfriend works in the veterinary business, and ask she's her. she's never dec- decapitated an animal, to my knowledge. Ask her. Okay. She said he has been handed over to the RSPCA to do an autopsy. Oh, Jesus. Don't, don't can, give it to the RSPCA. To see if they can find anything. Now, can I just say, Rob, you've got a cat with its internal organs ripped out. Yeah. And its head decapitated. Yeah. What's the point of the autopsy? <laughs> it's fairly clear what's happened. What are they going to do? So after 10 grand, whatever they spend it. Yeah, his head's been ripped off and somebody's pulled out his guts. Alex, we've made numerous disparaging comments about the RSPCA and uh, we've often speculated they just need something to do and apparently this is one more thing to to add to that list. Are you suggesting that the RSPCA are behind this just to give themselves work? Uh, Yes, that's exactly what I'm suggesting. They did say to me that he was already dead before any mutilation happened, which is kind of nicer, I suppose. Uh, Okay. Because of the brutal nature of the attack, Miss Grange suspects it may be linked to the spate of cat killings in Croydon and across London. There have been previous deaths in the Crystal Palace area, and last month there was a report of a killing in Chislehurst involving a cat named Louis. Where's Chislehurst? I like that cat named Louis. That's good. Isn't Chislehurst in Sussex? No, I don't believe so. Miss Grange said Merlin's death came as a massive shock, and she hopes to spread awareness before another cat in Bromley falls victim. I was aware of it, but as far as I'd known, it was in Croydon and South Norwood. Hadn't heard of any in Orpington or around that area. Petswood is a quiet area. Having owned Merlin since he was a kitten, Miss Grange said the seven-year-old was a lovely cat. She said he was very much an outdoorsy cat. He wanted attention when he wanted. He was very, very loving. He was very small with big paws and a big face. That's That's a strange quote. It's a day-to-day line. (laughs) He was very small with big paws and a big face. Do you know what I think is going on here, Alex? I think this could be a, a copycat killer. Copycat killing? Mm. Merlin I and Miss, a good pun personally but no. Merlin and Miss Grange's other cat Oreo right don't, I like that name right named after a biscuit <laughs> yes it is or a cookie if you're listening from the United States usually spend the night indoors but he had managed to slip out on the night of the killing she is urging anyone with information of Merlin's death or anyone who saw anything suspicious in the area to contact the police or the RSPCA to date, the RSPCA has linked 19 cat deaths across London. 
A spokeswoman for the RSPCA said it's too early to know whether the incident in Petswood is linked. She said a dedicated team is continuing to work closely with the police and looking into all evidence given to us to see if there is, a, if there is deliberate cruelty involved. Um, I won't bother reading any more of it. Oh, do you know what? I've just got this image now of this, this team of reprobates sitting in this really shabby office with just a map of London and like push There's a good story. Trying to link up. There's a good programme in that, isn't <laughs> yeah, there? Is, yeah. Pet Detective. Yeah. Pet Detective. Or... Would, well, that's not well there was. There was an Ace Ventura Pet Detective, wasn't there? Yeah. So we have to work on the name. We have to work on the name. So that's what's happening with the Croydon Cat Killer. Very disturbing. I've got... One other very brief update for you, which I promised for you last time. Okay, yeah, this, was this about the... The um, mutant, the Belvedere mutant that's wolf. That's right, yes. I'm not going to bother reading the article. It turned out that the, the mutant wolf of Belvedere was, in fact, the wind turbines. <laughs> it was noise of wind turbines. So this, this uh, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, this disturbing howling noise was just the wind turbine. How did it ever get to being a mutant wolf and not just a regular wolf? If you're hearing howling, yeah. why would that be a mutant wolf rather than a regular wolf? Why would it have been... I just, you know, that's a good question. I mean, it was nothing, something that's never really expanded upon in the story either. Uh, why they thought it might... I mean, we don't even know what a mutant wolf is. No. <laughs> Belvedere residents claim to have heard, in quotes, a haunting animal-like howling. Did we also not speculate it was possibly whether the residents have <laughs> who may have been in the throes of Passion. sexual intercourse? Yeah, it was the wind turbines. Right. right, okay. I've got another animal story for you to finish us off here. Um, actually, no. Before I do that, Rob, I've got a very small story here. Jesus, literally a small story from the Metro from March 29th. Because obviously, in the interim, while we have not recorded, it was Easter. Of course. I love this. It's tiny. Um, a mother at an Easter family fun day turned violent when the chocolate eggs ran out. <laughs> I just love that was it. I love if there was nothing well, else. There's only a little bit more. The woman pulled a volunteer across the counter at, village, at the village church farm in Skegness and demanded her £5 entry fee back. That she pulled them across the counter. Nice. She was very shaken up, said the manager, Sue Shelford. <laughs> Fair enough. That's our, that's our snippet of the week. Um, and last story, Rob. Jess Bell again, who's obviously been a busy lady. Now, Rob, this story, as soon as I start reading it, you'll be taken back to, I don't know, a year ago, God knows how long ago. This story is reads in an identical manner, almost to the extent that you think it's just a reprinted story, but it is in fact different. So right. Baby the potty mouth Polly is missing from Orpington Home. We have had stories of missing parrots before. We've had a lot. And also, the, 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 the most, um, the one that springs to mind is always the one that where she was, she was disturbingly close to her bird. Oh, do you remember that? That was Did just Did you weird. sleep in bed with the bird? Yeah, well, it, I think it was It was only a, a, a few sort of hair's breadths away, yeah. <laughs> the owners of a potty mouth Polly are appealing to the public's help after their parrot named Baby flew away from her home in Orpington. Oh, it's so, Baby. Do, do you remember? This is what we said last time, didn't we? Oh, that's right, yeah. You don't think it's the same... For... You don't think the parrot's flown the coop again, do you? Oh, God, who knows? Baby, an African grey parrot with a red tail and a penchant for swearing, penchant for swearing, has been missing since Saturday. Owner, Irfan Kuman. I think this is the same fucking parrot. No. We had a story about Irfan before, but I remember it being through the van. Do you? It's mm. a good memory, I don't remember that. Was in his garden with his baby, with baby, sorry, when she got spooked and flew away from the Ringshall Road home. That's the parrot, not Earth Maybe trying to abuse it, that's why she said flew away. The 34-year-old told New Shopper she's extremely friendly, she talks quite a lot. She swears quite a lot, she's a bit of a potty mouth Polly. Baby has gone missing before. Ah, I think it's oh the same God, it bloody is. parrot, but turned up at a local school ten days later. 
It is the same parrot. Mrs. Cooman is urging the public to keep an eye out for their beloved pet, who's been in the family for 20 years. She really is one of the family, he said. I can't imagine living without her. I've been in tears every night. No, you haven't. <laughs> no, we, we both have. Me and my partner. Rob, can I just say... I was surprised by the story about that woman's cat, Merlin's head being ripped off because she was surprisingly unemotional for somebody who had a cat decapitated. She talked about it very matter-of-factly. Yeah, that's fair. But this parrot isn't even dead and they're crying themselves to sleep. <laughs> the mischievous parrot is likely to still be in the area, Mr. Kuman said, and a reward is on offer for a safe return, presumably not as much as for the, the goose in Hertfordshire that time. No, two, possibly not, no. Which was £250,000 for anybody who's interested. He said the baby is so friendly she will happily land on a stranger's shoulder, like a pirate. Yeah, possibly, yeah, yeah. She may be at somebody's house. I'm hoping somebody's taken her in, Mr. Coomer said. Somebody's got her in that house right now, mate. And, well, I, I won't say anymore. <laughs> She's quite easy to spot. She doesn't like crows and she has a lot of fights with them. She is really smart. So we know, more than likely, she's hunting... Are those two things mutually exclusive? She's easy as a spot. She doesn't like crows. Yeah, they are. <laughs> right. But I like this last line. She's really smart. So we know, more than likely, that she's hunting for us. I mean, if she was that smart, she wouldn't have flown away in the first place. Well, no. The other way of saying, if she was that smart, she would have flown away. Oh, yeah, good point. Would you want to live in a cage, Rob? This parrot ain't hunting for you. This parrot has made... Dang, let me finish. This parrot has made numerous bids for freedom. It's trying to escape again. You're trying to project your own affection onto this parrot that it doesn't feel for you, mate. You're saying that the parrot is smart and it's hunting for you. If it was hunting for you, it would have returned home. It's not hunting. It wants to leave. Alex, I think you're completely wrong. I don't think this parrot is locked in a cage. I think it's put in a crib with a bonnet on and a blanket over it, just like a real baby. Who's the pretty boy, then? I mean, that's disturbing. It disturbed you last time. And it disturbs me again. Okay, Rob, you've got a story for us. Yeah, this first story, um, again, was one night I came across on Twitter. Um, I tried to find uh, a story to, uh, well, I thought it was local to, because I thought it was local to Nottingham, but uh, nothing came up. So this is... Sorry, why were you looking for stories in Nottingham? Any well, because I thought that the... I think there's a... I'm not sure if he's mentioned the story. I can't remember. But um, I believe that the location it referred to is Nottingham, but I don't think there's any mention of that in the story that I found. Right. So this has been lifted from the, uh, the Belfast Telegraph. Hmm. So, uh, yeah. But it doesn't come from Ireland. No, it doesn't. But it is a very Still the first story story we've ever had from the Belfast Telegraph. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And any uh, good afternoon to any listeners from Northern Ireland. Belfast is Northern Ireland, isn't it? Yeah, Belfast, Northern Ireland, Dublin is Ireland. I've never been to Ireland. No, nor have I. Apparently it's very pretty. Anyway, on with the story. Um, No journalist listed, strange enough. Headline. Camper van, dead python and tin bath among items dumped... Uh, yeah, sorry, I'm um, dumped items found in waterways. So you've got a contender for episode title right there. What is it? A caravan, dead python and a tin bath. <laughs> you could have all those. Isn't that rather like Craig's house? <laughs> oh, God, yeah, it actually is. I yeah. can just imagine Craig in his caravan, Craig's one of our listeners, in his caravan, sleeping in the bath with a dead python. No, I thought... Just cradling it. He still th- he still talks... He's been dead for ten years, but he still talks to it like it's alive. <laughs> it's called Baby. Baby oh. the python. No, he's called Monty. Well, quite possibly. You're happy Monty. It would have to be Monty. Right. Uh, a tandem bike, a tin bath and firearms are just suddenly items... Hang on, done. it's changed. The list has changed. Now it's firearms. There's quite a lot of items. I also believe Craig does have firearms. Yes, that that could be a very real possibility. I think he's got a huge arsenal. 
buried under the caravan. The day when the police try to come and take him? Yeah, he's just waiting. He's, yeah. ju- he's just waiting with the python ready for when, I don't know, some kind of martial law is enacted and he's going to take... I don't think he need because I, I mean I don't think he's going to need all that all those firearms when he's clearly set of booby traps. Because remember, Craig is the manager of an abattoir. I can just imagine him kicking the caravan door open when the police arrive, wearing the the blood stained white butcher's jacket, and holding a shotgun. See, I'm just imagining him with the python round his neck, yeah, loose round his neck, and he just says, "Come on, I'll have you then," in a Welsh accent. Do you think just standing there? Yeah. Naked as the day he was born. No, in, well, in the white butcher's coat. You know. Oh, sorry, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when they eventually take him down in a bloody sort of mess, yeah. and they go in there, they just find a dead sheep in his bed. That one that was in the back of the car that time. Mm. His partner. See, I'm sorry, Craig. I imagine this is the second attempt they've come to get. Imagine if Craig, sorry, because if Craig's home, like I don't know, he's with a girlfriend or a member of family. So, like, oh, listen to this podcast. <laughs> listen, and then then they hear that. <laughs> I just imagine that's that, that's the, that's his final stand. The stand before yes. is the caravan is parked in the forest, and the police. He sets fire to it. No, no, no. I reckon that the, the, the police finally think they've got him this time, and as they go in, the police marksman obviously they tear off the door or I don't know, knock it down, for instance, and then Craig's there standing by one of the trees in the darkness, and the whole caravan just explodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, in the pitch black, and the whole forest is lit up with this explosion. And then returns to we're, the gradual silence. We're painting Craig to be a sort of League of Gentlemen type. <laughs> I think for some reason, when I, when I imagine Craig, for whatever reason, I imagine the younger Hilary Briss, the butcher. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I imagine. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's accurate, but <laughs> Craig, I really am sorry, but if this is if this is true, you should probably get rid of the firearms and the snake and the snake. Um, so a, tin, a tandem bike, a tin bath and firearms are just some of the items dumped in canals and rivers as survey Rob, conducted this winter has revealed. Can you read the headline again? Um, caravan, dead python and a tin bath. Right. Then the list changes in the next sentence yeah, to... To a tandem bike, a tin bath and firearms. At least have some consistency. So in fact, in fact, the list, the complete list is... I mean, there's more items come, by the way. A caravan, <laughs> a bath, uh, yeah. a dead python... Yeah. Firearms. Yeah, that, that's just the first. A, that's the first. A tandem. Oh, a tandem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, I'll come on to some more. So these are among the, the strange objects recovered in a four-month survey of rubbish found in waterways as part of a forty-five million pound restoration and repairs program by the Canal and River Trust. Uh, the bizarre rubbish joins a sixteen-foot dead python, a Volkswagen camper van, a bus stop sign. Oh, that then that's brilliant. <laughs> An unexploded Second World War hand grenade. It is Craig's house. <laughs> a bag of bullets. Yep. And a pizza delivery bike still can carry the pizza. And that's when Craig knocked off the pizza delivery boy. <laughs> the pizza delivery boy made the mistake of going to Craig's caravan that yeah, time. Absolutely. He saw too much. He saw too much and yeah. uh, Craig ended up having extra meat on his pizza that night. <laughs> <laughs> Which have all been recovered in the past five years. The Kalana River Trust is revealing the things it pulls from a water race to the highlight... The £1 million annual cost to charity to clear these dumped rubbish, which he says could be spent on improving habitat for wildlife and ensuring waterways are clear for the boaters. The Trust also warns that it cannot recover every item that is dumped, from the weird to the long-lasting litter, such as plastic bags and fizzy drinks cans, which can go on causing problems to waterways users and wildlife as they linger under the waterline. Maybe the remains of the Titanic is there. Did they ever find this, the, the Titanic? Or? Yeah. Oh, they did? Yeah, because Cameron, Cameron's actually been on a dive, went down to see it when he was filming. Who? 
Da- um, James Cameron when he was filming Titanic. I thought he was talking about David. I was like, well, <laughs> David Cameron, didn't know David yeah. Cameron had an interest in the, in the Titanic. Um, the survey shows the tennis court sized lock contained one bicycle. Um, oh, sorry, the typical tennis size. Let me start again. The survey shows that a typical tennis court sized lock contains one bicycle, one chopping trolley, one traffic cone. 67 glass bottles, four tyres, 150 plastic bags, 23 cans, and three wind lasses or lock keys. So they're the things that turn. Yeah, I know, I know what. I've used a lock key oh, before. Yeah. Do you know that? Yeah. That's, that's very good. Almost so, fell into a lock once, which was slightly worrying. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, right. So that's that story. Uh, there's not much else to it. That's now, quite incredible. Yeah. I enjoyed it. It's quite a haul. Now. Quite what? A haul. Quite a haul. Yes. Right. Didn't find the body of Lord Lucan in there, did they? No. Well, he has been declared dead now, legally, so... So he could be there. He could well be. Now, the second story we covered um, some time ago, and it's not a follow-up. It was part of a series, which we didn't look into. We should have done, because I realised there was more than just the one story. It's, it's probably, probably one that I told you to follow up on, and you never bothered. It might have been, yes. It might right. have been that. Now, I think this is possibly the greatest feature that's ever been on this podcast by possibly what is fast becoming one of the, my favourite papers. Probably my favourite local The Derby newspaper. Telegraph. Of course it's the Derby Telegraph. So it's Steve, from Stephen Derby, is it? No, no, I found this because I went on the, on the search and we realised that there were quite a few stories just entitled Lunchtime Life. Oh, no. So hang on, let's give people the background. We featured a number of stories from the Derby Telegraph. One was a feature that ran for a few weeks before it was apparently shelved called Cheapest Chips. Yes. Which featured a man who wasn't a journalist, who was a photographer, sitting in a van outside chip shops, and he'd go to one each week and eat the chips, weigh them, test their temperature, and give them a rating. It was one of the most depressing pieces of local news journalism we've ever witnessed. We had videos, we had the audio on the podcast. We found another feature which was similar called Jeff Espresso, which involved a man (laughs) called Jeff sitting in a car... Outside coffee shops, t- tasting coffee. You're telling me they did another... So is this another one that's going to be shelved in a couple of weeks? For the next... Rob. No, no, they, this is old. They've, they've already shelved this, but I'm, I've gone back to the archive. What's wrong with this paper? Out a few of them. Right. So I think for the next three weeks, we're going to have a, a lunchtime life, as, as the segment was called. Is there a video? No, unfortunately Oh, right, no. good. Okay, fine. So, lunchtime life. Hang on a minute. What? You're talking about... I know now. Now I need to give people a proper background. This is... This is the journalist that went out on this lunch break. We Rob featured a story from the Derby Telegraph once, I don't know, about three, four months ago, where they had a story about a man, one of their journalists, who went out on his lunch break and just looked at every just life in front of him yes. and described it. It was one of those banal <laughs> yes. but brilliant stories. And I told you to check if there's been any more. To yes. be fair, I didn't tell you to go and look into the archives to see if... They, so you're saying they we've got this for three weeks. Yeah. Oh, dear God. <laughs> So, yeah, okay. So, lunchtime life. Ten of things... Sorry. <laughs> Ten things we spotted in Derby today, Monday, July the 6th. So, so, just to point out, again, to listeners, what this story boils down to, because Rob and I are connoisseurs of local news journalism. In that editor's room, somebody had a bright idea one day of, I know what a great story would be. Let's just go outside on our lunch break and look at ten random things and write them down. This isn't journalism, Rob. This is... This is um, I don't know what this is. This is, um, I think it's fair to say, the most inane feature <laughs> that has ever been created by... It's local kind press. of like um, the local news version of I Spy. <laughs> yes, it is, yeah. Okay. It seems to be a bit of a miserable Monday with not many smiling faces in Derby City Centre. But There's never that, any smiling faces in Derby City Centre. Not on a Monday either. No. Uh, but despite that, we've been out to the back to check out the sights and smells. 
Let us know what you've seen when, you, when you've been on your break. Isn't the phrase sights and sounds? Sights and smells? Yeah, the phrase is sights and sounds. Why are they talking about smells? Oh, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, I don't know. Well, that, there's a great local news story. <laughs> this is three things I smelt today. <laughs> yeah. Don't say that too often, because I think they might pick up on it. So here are the ten things we found. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. One. The three hairdressers gossiping about a weekend while they stood outside the traffic street entrance to the intro centre smoking. We wonder what might have happened on a Saturday night. <laughs> Number two. The poor teenager loaded down with mum's product bags in the centre who looks like he'd rather be at home playing on his Xbox or PS3. Number three. A life-size cat policeman standing guard in the window of Pound World. Watch out, thieves. He's after you. Rob, this, this, <laughs> this cannot be real. I'm sorry, I'm losing the will to live. Yeah. Number Worry four. Three. The big black expanse of tarmac where the toilets at the spot used to stand. Is that an episode title? Read that again. The big black sorry, the big black expanse of tarmac where the toilets at the spot used to stand. Where the toilet used where the toilets used to stand. <laughs> it's a very good episode title. Yeah. Right. Uh, number five. A flustered-looking Martin Rawson, deputy leader of the council, dashing into Costa at the corner of East Street and St Peter's Street. You could just make these up. And there's no one. This is it. There's no one to say that they haven't made it up. It could be complete bollocks. If this is what comes out of this person's imagination, they well, I have to spare for them. Number six. Right. A Harris stallholder in Derby Marketplace turned to a colleague and saying, "I shall return, but I wish I didn't have to." I shall what? I shall return. I shall return, but I wish I didn't have to. I shall return what? Well, I guess she's going somewhere. Who says I shall return? Well, it's very like the stallholder. Very. I shall return. It's very gra- got a lot of gravitas. That phrase. You just yeah. say I'll be back, wouldn't you? I'm coming. I was saying it sounds like a woman who, who's who's on the verge of depression. I shall return, but I, I wish I didn't have to. Hmm. Number seven: the alluring smell of fish and chips from Rack's Chippy in Knock Up Yard. I wonder if that's where they got the idea for the future. Knock no. Up Yard. Knock Up Yard. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I believed that from Derby. Knock Up Yard. Yeah, I could believe that. Unfortunately. The large marquee being erected for this summer's Derby Summer Beer Festival. Don't forget, it starts on Wednesday, all lovers. The writers of Mid Morning Matters couldn't have come up with this. Can I just say that? Could they? No. Well, possibly. The last one, by the way, is fantastic. Are we there yet? Top draw. No, we've got one more to go. So, what's this then? Number nine. This is one number nine, yeah. Right. A specialist off license selling a wide range of local imported and hard to find ales in Derby's Market Hall. I didn't even know it was there, says the reporter. And number 10. Get ready for this. A flock of pigeons feasting on scraps outside Uncle Tom's cabin. <laughs> right. What's Uncle Tom's cabin? I've no idea. A flock of pigeons feeding on... Feasting... He is reporting on some birds eating some shit on or the floor. On the street, yeah. A flock of pigeons feasting on scraps What's outside next week? A, cat, a, 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 a dog taking a piss up against a lamppost. Alex... We're gonna to have to wait and see. So from now from now on, for the next two, well, so we've got two more of these. If I can find any more, for the, four, they I'm only not, did it for like a few weeks. I think they? again, like, and um, then they brought it back sometime early this year. They brought it for one-off special. They must have done it kind of in July. We pour, unless it was when it was originally given to us by the dark. I can't I think I know whether it was Steve or or Kyber. They just gave it to us after the event. A flock of pigeons feeding on some scraps outside Uncle Tom's cabin. Yes. I mean, there, right there, that's an episode title. Oh. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> okay, Rob, now, when I was on the uh, plane, 
went going on holiday. Yeah. Went, for, went away for like four days. Uh, they gave us complimentary papers in okay. the airport. And this was from the Mirror. Now, this is actually not that long, but hopefully we'll have a bit to discuss. I, I, this, is, this, to me, is a local anaesthetic classic. Right, okay. It's by Lucy Thornton and Nick Lavingueur. <laughs> I believe is his name, Lavingueur. There's Lavingue- a name that we don't know how to pronounce, so we just make it sound French. Um, and it's from Wednesday the 30th of March. Um, do you want the headline? Of course. Plea from man with £70,000 bionic penis. <laughs> Can anyone help me find love? Oh God. I've got a lot to give. Uh, do you know what? I actually know about this story. Oh. I'm sorry to say. How? Because it was all over the press. Because this man was a virgin until they, they managed to get him a prosthetic penis. Well, some people might not know it. So I'm going to yeah, read. yeah. Mohammed Abad reckons he has plenty to offer potential partners after being fitted with his £70,000 8-inch bionic penis. That's good size. £70,000 8-inch bionic penis is a good episode title. Very good episode title. But the lonely security guard who lost his virginity this year, age 44, has been unlucky in his quest for love. He said he had joined several online dating sites with no success. Mohammed said, I'm very lonely and would love to find someone. I've joined Match.com and an Asian dating site and I've even tried Tinder. But so far I've had no feedback, not one date. I'd be eternally grateful if someone helped me find love. I've got a lot to give. The ultimate goal is to have two kids, but I need to find somebody first. Um, yeah, yeah. I think somebody needs to explain to him this barnic penis might not. Can I, I've got a few questions. Can, should I wait to the end of the last no, call now? When this says barnic penis, does he control it? I've got all the information. That's the thing. Oh, so right, I've, got, okay, I've right. got detail. Mohammed, who lost his manhood in a road accident as a child, and I'm going to uh, detail... You don't know about this. Okay. No. Wait till the end of the story. I'm going to talk about that a bit more. Okay. Was originally fitted with a makeshift fleshy tube that had no... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. That has to... Spaghetti. They're just, they're just... <laughs> what the fuck is a makeshift fleshy tube? What were you talking about? Spaghetti? Uh, like you know, like penne pasta, right? And I just imagine that, like made out. Of Can I, I just like... need to say to the listeners, Rob is um, crying. Uh, no, no, um... tears are coming from his eyes. Let's read that sentence again. <laughs> Mohammed, who lost his manhood in a road accident as a child, was originally fitted with a makeshift fleshy tube. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that had no sensation. <laughs> so, so what, what, what did they roll up a piece of ham and just stitch it to it? What the fuck was it? I can't breathe. Sorry. Yeah, they stapled a rolled up piece of ham. <laughs> <laughs> of it Rob so, 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 so he loses it as a child oh. and in their haste oh. they staple like you said this fleshy tube to him and say oh don't worry about it 
And then, the, then he has that till, I don't know, he's 17, 18, and one day he's with a woman for the first time, and she, and he, what's the point of a makeshift fleshy tube? Surely make for his fleshy tube with no sensation of scurps at all. Yes, yeah. But in 2012, he had a life-changing, he had life-changing surgery that gave him a bionic replacement made from nerves and skin from his arm. Okay. Mohammed, who lives in Edinburgh, had full sex for the first time this year, <laughs> After turning to escort Charlotte Rose, 35. Something about the, the, the phrase full, full sex. sex. <laughs> full, Rob. <It's> full. <laughs> so he went with an escort. She waived the usual £160 an hour fee after learning how he split from his wife before his penis was fully functional. Mohammed revealed he still regretted waiting until the wedding night before telling his bride he could not consummate oh, their marriage. No. So Are you imagine serious? living with that. So they obviously didn't have any sex for marriage. He gets there and he goes, look, there's something you need to know. By the way, after the vows have been said. Right, come on, let's do it. There's something I need to so I want you to be the I want you to be the wife. We're married. Okay, the, that's fine. Darling, before we, we go into our, our lovely bed and then and then go on honeymoon together, there's something I must tell you. What is it, darling? You can tell me anything, you know that. You know, I love you very much. Of course. And I'm so pleased we got married. Uh, me too. And we've often talked about how much we want each other, but we've, we've resisted our urges until this day. And I'm so happy we've done that. So what does he need to tell me? Um, it's about my penis. Right. Uh, okay. Um, I don't have one. Right. Um, I've got a makeshift fleshy tube instead. <laughs> I'm just going to step outside for a few minutes. Uh, I'll be I'll be back shortly. Well, that's basically what happened. I because bro- I mean, I, she me, I mean, technically, she, she could have gotten an annulment because they weren't able to consummate the marriage. He said, I broke down and told her. She was obviously upset and hurt, but accepted me the way I was. Can you imagine? She, no, let me see it. <laughs> you know, and he would have opened. Why have you got a piece of ham? <laughs> <laughs> Why did they make it smoked? <laughs> Well, it's got a face. She, no. said, she says, I broke down and told her she was obviously upset and hurt, but accepted me the way I was. But in the end, there's only so much a person can take. This just, this just makes you feel like a 20-year marriage where saying, please, can't we just, can't we staple something hard there rather than this makes your fleshy tube? Yeah. The couple split amicably two years later in 2013. I mean, at least she's with for two years. Mohammed has also told how he's worried about his encounter with Charlotte. As she was initially silent when she saw his penis, the makeshift fleshy tube. Can you imagine? Is it really bad that I want to... Oh, so she... All right, so... Okay, so... Charlotte is the escort. And she got with him before the bionic no, penis? Is, or is this post-bionic penis? Uh, no, no, this is... This is... Uh, hang on. Yes, with the bionic penis. I apologise. Oh, okay, right. The wife split from him just before his penis became fully functional. Right. <laughs> so he must have been... Look, honestly, a few weeks more, it'll work. She needs to charge the battery and she's like... <laughs> No, and he's like, look, it's not ham anymore. She's like, look, it's in a jar. Look at it. <laughs> Bionic penis. So he was worried about his encounter with Charlotte. She was silent the first time she saw his penis. Well, I mean, but then she told him, it's incredible. He revealed, I just lay there with a big cheesy grin on my face. Okay. It's a work of art. They thought about it and fashioned it. I have sensation now. I can stay up for days. I was about to say. I can stay up for days. Well, so now he's a Lothario. Yeah. <laughs> with his incredible pumping barnic penis that never dies. This is what I was going to say. Can I say incredible barnic penis, pumping penis? Incredible, bu- incredible pumping barnic penis that never dies is a good episode title. Yes, it is. Yeah. You're going to say something, Rob. So he, he's in full control of it. Well, the barnic penis has been fitted with two tubes which fill with liquid from his stomach when he presses a button in his testicles. <laughs> Excuse me a minute. <laughs> 
The button's in his testicles. So he has to like just press on one of the glands. Excuse me a second. <sighs> Click. Another button drains the penis so it deflates. I don't know right, where the liquid fine. goes. Muhammad, who's been on Channel 4's Embarrassing Bodies, is also trying to track down the people who helped him after his accident when he was just six years old. Now, I would have read this story anyway, but it's this bit I particularly liked. And I know it's unfortunate because it happened when he was six. Would you actually know the circumstances? <laughs> I mean, absolutely. So, because just think, how does a road accident lead, lead you to losing your penis? Well, here's how. He was dragged 600 yards by a car after falling into a road during a snowball fight. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> Close to his former home in Huddersfield, Russia. Let's read that again. He was dragged 600 years by a car after falling into a road during a snowball fight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's unfortunate. So you're having a snowball fight. You fall down a ravine into a road and somehow you get caught up in a car which drags you 600 yards down the road. It doesn't say how this led to him losing his penis, but presumably it just scraped right off. Which is horrific. He and also can seems to imply that he may have had it out at the time. <laughs> he said there were a lot of doctors and dentists at that time. Hey? Yeah, apparently a lot of doctors and dentists turned Where? up at the scene of the crime, at the scene of the accident. <laughs> dentists. <laughs> Alex, what? <laughs> I know some rushed to the scene to help me. I'd like to meet them to say thanks. I owe my life to them. What the fuck is a dentist going to do? <laughs> the penis look, the penis fall off, mate, but I can, I can fix that molar. Mohammed has needed 100 operations and now faces help. more surgery. Doctors are hoping to extract sperm so he may one day father children. His new penis will also be slimmed down. He said... So, so it's obviously rather big at the moment. Yeah. He said, I feel totally different. I feel proud and privileged to have had this surgery. Now I want to enjoy my life. Have you seen this man? No, I think I have. It's really bad that I'm not, you know, accustomed to look at men's penises, but I, I would like to see it. There's no picture of no, it. No, it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> this is um, Mohammed Abad, the man with the barnic penis. <laughs> okay. Right, okay. He does, can I just say, no, 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 it's fine. Does it? He doesn't like he could be like Saddam Hussein's younger brother. Oh, you know, I'm so glad you said that. That's exactly who I went to as well. He look, he does have a passing resemblance to Saddam Hussein. Yeah. Although that's uh, that's purely speculation. Only this Saddam Hussein certainly does have weapons of mass destruction. Very nice. <laughs> it's time for our listener story of the week. And wait a second, I can hear all those listeners drop saying, "Hang on a minute." Something's missing. What happened to General Anaesthetic? Surely they're going to talk about the Panama Papers. Well, we are, but listeners, we're going to have to do it next week because we're running out of time and the, the man with the barnic penis kind of took over. But um, I've what got... What the fuck is that? Baby, I've got it. I've got baby. Right, what she, have you done with it? You, Sorry, so let me rephrase that. What have you done to it? Well, if you look where it is, Rob, I think you can tell. Why is it on your barnic penis? <laughs> <laughs> This isn't on a bionic penis. It is my penis. Uh, oh. I lost my penis in a rope in a, uh, in a in a in an accident as a child after I had a snowball fight. I was dragged six hundred yards by a car, and they fitted me with this makeshift parrot as a replacement. I'm waiting. There's a long waiting list for the bionic penis, Rob, and this is what I've got in the meantime. See, this is what happens when you have a dentist turn up at the scene. <laughs> Very good. Right. I say this goes on for ten hours. Oh, good. Well, that makes Please tell me it isn't things. just that noise. Yep. Apparently, it is. What worries me? Someone's looped that for ten hours. That's really bad. Rob, it can't be. 
Skip it over. Skip it forward by like two hours and see what happens. Oh no! He's ah. even higher and more annoying. Anyway, yeah, okay. So, first of all, I have to thank one of our listeners who's been in contact a lot over the last two weeks. Steve. Because I think he's just joined, yeah, because he's just joined Twitter. Did he tell us what he does for a living yet? Because I speculate he was a hearse driver. Uh, Yeah, not particularly close. He works for a charity. Well, he might work for a charity like... um, A charity raising money for hearses or The Undertaker. St. Christopher's Hospice, Rob. I hope you feel foolish now. Yeah, kind of do. Anyway, look, we're going back to the chip shops. Back to the chip shop reviews, in fact. With the sound of parrots in the background. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes sense. Fish and chips. Where do fish come from? The sea. Where do parrots hang around? Pirates. Where do pirates frequent? The ocean. The parrot is a seabird. Really. Not really. I think they find them in the jungle. I mean, that's quite tenuous. Anyway, look. Alex, I want to take you back in time, if that's okay. Back to 2005. Eh? That's right, 2005. I know it's not topical, but we'll, we'll bring it up to the present day, I assure you. But let me, let's go back to 2005. Labour was still in power. Oh, God, thank Chip God. and Pin had just been introduced. Robert Kilroy Silk had just officially Is launched... Is that the chip-related aspect, Chip and Pin? Yes, yeah. Right, oh, OK. Robert Kilroy Silk had just launched Veritas. Do you remember that? Is that a political party? Yeah. Veritas sounds like... Uh... After you quit um, UKIP. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like... You were saying... Well, Veritas just sounds like some sort of nondescript company. Yes, yes, it does. Yeah, like an offshore training company. Yeah. Um, and uh, the Prince of Wales and Camilla Barker Bowles were married at Windsor Castle. Right. But more importantly... The London bombings? Uh, was that 2007? Yeah, 2007, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. right, OK. And also Doctor Who was revived by the BBC. Thank you, Wikipedia. Um, anyway, look. There was an up-and-coming journalist who went to his editor one day and said, I've got an idea. I want to start a chip shot review. And they said no. But he kept badgering them. Initially, they said yes. So you His tell- name was Graham Young. Are you telling me that this is... Is this the man who resurrected the chip shop reviews recently? He didn't resurrect Alex. He was the founder. So you're saying that there was a period of time when he did these chip shot reviews in his van. They no, got, no. got shot. Is it the same man? He hasn't stopped. He has been going for 11 years. Hang on. This is the same man that we featured... No, 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 no. It's a I'm different story. The Derby Telegraph have ripped this idea off. Where's it from originally? So this is from the Traitorous Guardian. Which is where? Uh, What's well, the Traitorous Guardian? <laughs> the normal Guardian. The Guardian. The National oh, Paper. Why have they got it? Okay. Hang on. So, headline. Britain's only chip critic. I want the right well, He's not the it. only chip critic. Because we found another one. That sad bloke in his car. Yes, but my point is... This guy's been going for, for 11 years, and I think the Derby Telegraph have ripped this guy off. Right. So, here we go. Baby, will you shut up? Because I think you need to stop doing what you're doing to it. That's why it's making those sounds. Right. Right. Do you want to feed it a cracker? No. <laughs> so, for more than a decade, Graham Young has been reviewing chip shops for the Birmingham Mail. As he celebrates his 500th portion... He explained what makes what makes a good chip. What's his name? Uh, Graham Young. Is there a picture of him? Here is, yeah, sitting in his car. Is he fat? No, surprisingly not. That's, do, do, hang on, it's fine. Does he do videos then, like the other guy? He did? sits in his car, in his car, reviewing videos, measuring the portions, testing the temperature, and he's been doing it for over a decade. Oh, and the Derby Telegraph couldn't even copy him for more than three weeks. <laughs> 
Okay. The in-car scales are, per are perched on the dashboard and Graham Young is ready for his latest consignment. We're parked along a row of 1970s lock-up garages in an unmade dead-end road off Dogpool Lane in South Birmingham. Is there an episode title somewhere? There? I think there must be. Where, somewhere mid-sentence about... I think Dogpool Lane has to be in there. No, there was a dead-end, what was it? Oh, um... We are parked alongside a row of 1970s lock-up garages in an unmade dead-end road. Yeah, yeah. We've had a few this week, though, to be fair. Yeah, it's true. It's a secluded spot and the, sun, the sunlight is fading. It's ideal for Young's particular style of covert work. He's, his cover has not been blown for over 10 years. Remarkable when you consider his own disguise is a blue beanie hat that he turns inside out. What? How, how can the people have... Does he, is it only in Birmingham that he does his roots? Yes, all around the city of Birmingham. Which is, you know... It's, They've it's got the 500 city. chip shops in Birmingham. Yeah, but Birmingham's the second largest city in the UK. How could the people? How could the people who run the chip shops not have got wind of him doing these reviews in a local paper? And I think they know, Alex. They just they just humour, humour him. him. Right? Yeah. How old is he? Uh, does it say? He must say. I don't know. I'm 17. Um, it's 100 percent acrylic. I bought it in Poundland. He reveals. Sorry, is that his penis? <laughs> I thought <he'd> not. No. <laughs> uh, we have a few minutes before Young's latest purchase. Experience suggests it will weigh between three and four hundred grams, and once he's got it in his hands. We need to move fast. Are we talking about his penis? <laughs> I don't know. It won't read that again. Uh, experience suggests it weighs between 300 and 400 grams. Once he's got it in his hands, we need to move fast. <laughs> Very yeah, confused. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Is you this know, man just masturbating in the van <laughs> for 11 years? <laughs> baby! Right. Honestly. A veteran reporter on the, on the Birmingham Mail is thought to be the UK's, possibly the world's, only chip reviewer. Well, he's not. His editors were unconvinced when he floated the idea for a weekly column. Alex, what was a weekly column called? Cheapest Chips. Yes, it was. Derby Telegraph, you should be ashamed of yourselves. So his editors were unconvinced when he floated the idea for a weekly Cheapest Chips column. Can you tweet him? Can you find his Twitter thing and say, were you aware of Derby Telegraph's short, short-lived imitation of your work? Maybe this I'll is why short-lived. Because they just, they just lifted the idea. C can you tweet him? I can, I'm sure. Don't I'm say sure. you will when you won't. No, no, I will. I can do that. Um... Yeah, when he finally got approval in 2005. More than a decade on, his chip critic extraordinaire has passed a... So we've got to start watching these, haven't we? 11 years worth of chip short reviews. <laughs> no, from this point onwards. I'm sure we can. If I, I'll have a look. When, we get, when I get home, I'll have a look. And so see you haven't seen any of them? I, I want to know if they're just as depressing as... Alex, he's sitting in a car. It's a lock-up. Shall I have a look? Yeah, I'll just finish this paragraph while you're looking. Oh, baby's been quiet um, for a second. More What's than it called? Birmingham Mail? Yeah, his name is... Uh, What's his name? I've got his name now. Graham, Graham Young. That's called Cheapest Chips. More than a decade on this chip critic extraordinaire has passed a fried potato milestone. His 500 review. What could be more important than reviewing Britain's, Britain's national dish, he asks. He is on Twitter. Why doesn't he also review the fish? Why just the chips? If you can't get the chips right, there's no point trying anything else. Well, he does lots of stories. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a veteran reporter. 17 but... remarkable ghost signs which show bygone eras in Birmingham. I like a ghost sign occasionally. I mean, that's Here we go. I've got a chip shop review. Have you? By the way, he's he's saying that... Uh, can I just read this paragraph? A methodology had to be constructed for the uncharted territory of chip criticism. <laughs> um, can I just challenge the, uh, the, the headline, Uncharted Territory of Chip Criticism? Oh, what a brilliant collection of words. Uh, hence the in-car scale, in scales, a mobile probe. <laughs> I mean, uh, sorry... Can we watch one of them? Yeah, of course we can. A temperature probe and other adaptations to the Chipmobile. You ready? Yep. 
Here it is. This is just a random one. I've Why picked. was there a bloody hand? What's the bloody handprint in the back? I think he does. What's this? Friday, it's five o'clock. Well, oil be damned. It's cheap as chips. Halloween special. Why is it Halloween special? He's reviewing chips. Why is he in the Halloween special? How much do the chips weigh from Dove House? 480 grams. That's a good, that's a good weight. The production values are much better than yeah. the Derby Telegraph. They're a lot slicker. Episode 34, Alex. He's not messing around here. Now, the difference is, Rob, I'm going to stop that. The difference is, is that this is more tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. Whereas the other guy, so I'm going to start stroking baby again. Was uh, that's better. Was more uh, was more um, serious, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. Now this story is long, so I'm not going. That's all I'm going to read of it. It's, it's a fantastic article, and I would. Why if I didn't see it? Because I read the Guardian. Well, I missed it as well. This was only from last uh, no two weeks ago, so it wasn't right. from that long ago. If anyone wants to check it out, the story is, is, is the headline is Britain's only chip critic. I want the right to stick in the knife as well as the fork. Now, this then brings us on to our second story. Ah. So Steve sent me another tweet uh, and he CC'd in a Mr. Andrew Parks. Well, he tweeted Andrew Parks it as well, did he? Well, Andrew Parks was tweeting... Andrew Parks is the editor of the new shopper. We've talked about him for years. The man's a lunatic. Yeah. Anyway, so he was included in this tweet and there's a reason for that. So, this was from uh, the Epsom Guardian, which is a paper that I'm not aware of. But um, it seems... Another like, non-traitious Guardian, then. Well, you know that... Um, we've speculated speculate before that Andrew Parks is, is part of the editor of a group of papers, and I think this is part of his group. Bookmark it, then. If you want to bookmark it? Well, no, yeah, like bookmark the paper. Like We need to check it out. Okay. So... Because um, he stopped doing his five thoughts in the new shopper. Oh, is he? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Since you gave up looking, you mean? No, I don't see them anymore. Oh, okay. Maybe he hasn't had any thoughts. <laughs> I mean, that, let's be honest, that's more than a real possibility. So, uh, this story was by, was by a veteran uh, reporter called Jim Palmer. <laughs> so Jim Palmer, by the way, whose title everybody is, Leisure Editor, is now moonlighting for the Epsom Guardian. Yes. Um, and, I mean, this thought... No, this, this is all too much, Rob. It's rather overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> There's not a lot to this. It's a very short story because all it is is just a, 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 that was where they've asked listeners to submit them. But the headline is 20 of my favourite fish and chip shops in Croydon, Sutton and Epsom. And they've just given a list of their top 20 <laughs> fish and chip shops. So they're not reviewing themselves. They've just asked listeners to, to send them in and then they rank them. That's what well, rank them just, but just in no random order. Yeah, yeah. Right. So my my suggestion, you know, so I think what's happened, happened is that this, this chip shop phenomenon has, has gone... Well, national at least, and uh, of course, as always, the uh, well, the editor of the new shopper has his finger on the pulse and wants to get in on the act, but couldn't spare the resources to get and send this. <laughs> couldn't be, out. Couldn't <laughs> be bothered. <laughs> now, Rob, I've got a better idea for a feature. Steve, listen to this. Steve, in his hearse, parked outside a chip shop, coffin in the back, reviewing chips. I mean. What an enduring image that really is. <laughs> Can you imagine him in the uniform, Rob? Amazing. You know, the whole uniform in the front of a hearse reviewing chips. So you're saying, you know, black suit, top hat. Yeah. Yeah. Chip, chip shop crematorium, call it something like that. Brilliant, brilliant. Maybe you've been cooking the chips, no, that's one step too far. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I think that could work. Steve, you heard it here first. Try it. And you know what you have to do now. Yeah. <sighs> this parrot. This has been the most annoying sound effect we've ever had. Shut yeah. the fuck up. And that includes the, the dodgy Victorian sound effects. And also the man vomiting that we had a few weeks back. Rob, can I say, I've lived now for all of my life, well, since since six years old, when after a snowball fight, I fell down a ravine <laughs> and was dragged 600 yards by car, which ended with me losing my penis. Since the dentist um, grafted on this parrot, I've lived with this all of my life, Rob, and I've fucking had it. And now, Rob, it's coming off. Alex. Oh, oh, dear God. Could, could you not just wait until I'd left? I'm just going to staple some ham there instead. Okay. Right, again, let me go first, if that's all right. And I mean that both physically and metaphorically. On that note, Rob, that brings this podcast to an end. What is it? Episode 175? 175. That's it, Rob. So we look forward with a mixture of eager anticipation yet trepidation to our next episode, which will be episode 176, Rob. As we move ever more forward, like... Like a man, or like, like a young boy, like a boy yeah, trying to having get a snowball and... fight. For some reason, his penis is exposed. He falls down the ravine, somehow gets caught on the back of a car, gets dragged along the road 600 yards. When he eventually comes to, he's got don- doctors and dentists standing around him. No penis, just a makeshift fleshy tube I, I where his penis should, just used to be. Just put a disclaimer, by, by no means are we making light, because that's a horrific accident. But the, the circumstances surrounding it... What we're making light of is the mirror's poor journalism. Yeah. Which leaves great big gaping holes in their own story. Yeah. Anyway. So all that remains now, Rob. Oh, God. Is to say goodbye mm. to this episode. Yes, yes. Bye, Rob! You've done a lot of work. You didn't really do a lot of work. Steve did a lot of work. No, I found, I found the... All you did was look at your Twitter. No, I found the, the Lunchtime Life feature. I, I, that was me. I had to go back for the... The Derby Telegraph's archives. It's, it's good to see, Rob, that if I leave you alone for two weeks, you finally get off your ass and do something. Do some research. Yeah. Do some work. I was bored. And after masturbating, you know, there's not much left to do. I'm bored now. Bye. Bye. Wanker. <laughs> you were the one just talking about this. <laughs> um, we can be found on our website, which is lapodcast.net. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash LA Podcast. We're on Twitter at, at LA Podcast. And of course, you can find us on iTunes if you search for Alex and Rob, local news, LA Podcast. You will find us and you can download all of our episodes from iTunes and you can leave us a review. But if you want to download us directly without any middleman, then go to our website, lapodcast.net, and you can download all of our episodes there. And you can also donate to this endeavor. Um, and I'm sure something like Steve. Even Steve would advocate, rather than giving to Steve's charity, whatever it is, give to us instead. Because mm, surely this is a more nobler cause than Steve's makeshift freelance hearse dri- driving charity. <laughs> he just sort of turns up and asks people on the streets, has anybody died? I'll do it for free. <laughs> and they say, no. Back there, he looks close to death. Do you want to <laughs> stick him in the back? Early. I've got some chips. <laughs> um, so is that it, Rob? That's it. I think that's it, yeah. God bless. And keep it local.